You're listening to Good People, Bad Intentions, the podcast that focuses on fighters and their stories. Join me, Matthew Pine, as we learn lessons not just from in the ring, but on the larger battle of life. gentlemen and welcome to episode one of the good people bad intentions podcast and today i'm joined by none other than aubrey mcleod aubrey welcome thanks matt i really appreciate you uh coming on being the first guest um for anybody that doesn't know me and you met uh almost two years ago we met that uh the february 14th card the the Valentine's Day card uh, in Cape Breton. Remember dates way better than I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to say I, I really do appreciate you were uh, like kind of a last-minute uh, cut man for when I was cornering uh, Adam, and I really didn't know what I was doing, and it was really <laughs> it was really nice to have you there. And just uh, even though you're the cut man, you you've been through the you know the whole all the ropes or whatever, and you knew what was what was going on. And luckily, we did win that match. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say before we get on there that you know I really appreciate that you're you're there. And um, yeah, so this whole podcast is really about um, having conversations, and trying to kind of break down barriers within boxing, try to uh, you know have some interesting conversations about how boxing can help everybody. And one thing that I thought about is when I look at having you as a friend on Facebook, I see a lot of interesting and insightful posts that you post about uh, whenever there's an event in boxing or whatnot, you, there's always a reflection. And I just wanted to to ask you before we, we, we begin, uh, how did you get into boxing? Well, it actually, it, it's kind of a, a different route. I guess I didn't actually box myself. My, uh, middle son Sean um, showed a real interest in it um, back in 93 94 ish um, he uh, we were in Kingston Ontario at the time and he bugged and bugged and bugged and wanted to try boxing and and uh, we went in to check it out into the gym and uh, uh, Kingston Youth Boxing Club was uh, just just an excellent spot the uh, the uh, two coaches there, Colin and Kenny McPhail, both Cape Bretoners. So, you know, that, that's a good start right off the bat. Um, and uh, Sean did really well. He won two or three Ontario championships and two or three New Brunswick championships. So when we moved here and uh, things kind of carried on from there, I helped out as much as I could at the club in Ontario. And then when we moved to, uh, it got posted, I was in the military, it got posted to Gagetown. We went into the Fredericton Boxing Club and uh, um, the guy running that, uh, needed some help as well so I started helping him and then he uh he got to the point after I was there about a year that he had some uh some personal things going on that he had to attend to so he asked me to take over the gym and two years after that I had two gyms running at the same time and over 100 members between the two gyms and I was run off my feet for the next seven or eight ten years <clears throat> wow yeah like uh 
you said a lot of interesting things. The first thing I wanted to ask is you're originally from Nova Scotia, correct? You're from Cape Breton? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, and then did you, did you move to Ontario because of your military service? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to say, first of all, thank you for your service. Uh, it's really awesome that, um, you know, you were, you were given this opportunity to, to go and, uh, and to have two gyms under, under you. Um, what I wanted to ask you is to what extent do you think your military service might've impacted your boxing? Um, the biggest thing I, I guess I did, there's a couple of things you get from the military. I was in the combat arms for quite a few years before I moved on to easier things, but, uh, um, you, you gain a real appreciation of what your body and your mind is capable of through some of the very difficult courses and training and exercises and things like that. So, you have a confidence about yourself of what you can accomplish and you have a pretty good idea what other athletes or kids can, can actually do. So you, you know, when to try to coach them into, into stepping out of their comfort zone a little bit more. The other thing is, is just the leadership and, and, uh, and teaching ability because the, the military, um, especially when you're in the combat arms, um, they spend a lot of, put a lot of effort into teaching you how to teach and you spend a lot of time, teaching courses. So I spent a few years doing almost exclusively instructing um, in the military. So that, uh, that helped a lot. Plus the physical fitness side of the military as well. You, you gain that uh, body knowledge that you, that you need when you're involved in sports as well. Because one, one interesting thing that I had read, um, obviously you, you might know Customato. Um, he's yeah. a big influence on me in this brand. And uh, apparently one of the things that he used for his understanding of the, the human mind was a, uh, an army manual that he was provided during his service. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know, because um, you did touch on a few things, but is there, a, is there a teaching that the mental aspects of warfare are sometimes the most important uh, parts? And is there ways that you can you can correlate between your military service and what you learned through that and what you've learned through boxing. Um, absolutely. The, the, I guess the ability or not the ability, but you learn a lot about where your mind has to, like you go through so much. in, in some of these military courses, there are days that you just want to do nothing but quit there. There are times when you feel like your body cannot do anymore, that it's just, it's done. Um, you know, you don't sleep for days and days on end. You're going with packs on your back and, and nonstop. You're uncomfortable. You haven't showered. You haven't eaten. You're scraped and bruised and banged up. And you'll, and you'll do this for, you know, a lot of times for weeks. So over that time period, as, as often as your mind goes into that, I can't do this anymore situation, you and your, 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 your peers that you're with, you take turns bringing each other through that, that period, because you know what it feels like, you know, how it feels like that to, to believe that my body can't do any more than this. I'm doing everything I can. And I, and, and you know, I'm struggling. Um, you do that enough over different courses and different, different types of training that, that you really gain an appreciation for, because you're with so many different people who have different personalities and, 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 and different types of personal barriers and things like that, that you, you learn so much about 
what cues a, a person is giving that that gives you an idea of, of the best way to talk to them to try to to, to push them through that that next spot because the, the military is all about being outside of your comfort zone and boxing is very very much like that you you know you know yourself i know you train and and stuff as well so you, you know yourself that nothing nothing improves while you're staying within the range of your comfort zone you you get better and you get more fit by being in that dark place where where you know a lot of people's minds just they don't shut down but they they don't know where to go next mentally so they they back off and they get scared and they quit so it, it's it's one of those it's one of those sports that's so much like that intense type of training that 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 the military does that that you it's it's it, there's so many similarities it it, it makes it uh, it's kind of like home when I'm when I'm at the gym because uh, uh, very similar situations to what I've been through on on different you know training exercises and things like that where where things got pretty tough. So eventually, do you become more comfortable with? Uh, being in that type of environment, like the gym, being uncomfortable than being in the norm, do you, does it kind of replace the become the new norm when you're, you know, in the boxing world, in the military world? It it it, 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 it What I tell my fighters all the time is that not only do you have to learn to get into that that spot that's outside of your comfort zone, you have to learn to appreciate it and love it there. You have to crave that spot. You have to you know because every fight almost every fight i mean some some fights end very quickly before you even get a good sweat on but but almost every fight you're taken to that dark place whether you want to go there or not and you've you you've got a decision to make you know you 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 either either try to dominate the situation and and have the confidence in yourself and understand what you're capable of or you get scared and you back off a little and i, and I don't mean get scared and run into the ring i just mean hesitate that little bit you start thinking about things. You start thinking about how your legs feel. You start thinking about my lungs feel like they're on fire. You start thinking about all those little things that are taking you away from the focus that you need. So I always try to encourage people to spend as much time in that dark, dark place and that, and that, that lonely spot in their mind that they can, because after a while it becomes, it becomes that adrenaline that you you live on from from day to day and, and you know i'm not saying that everybody should go out and and uh old guys like me get their heart rate up to to 200 and expect not to have to call an ambulance in a few minutes but but uh for athletes in sports like boxing you just you need to be used to that spot and you need to you need to enjoy that spot yeah that's that's actually a really important thing and uh it's something that uh i was talking with my coach bridget not too long ago and she really likes the feeling of when you're when you're coaching not not even just fighting but when you're coaching a fighter and you you can barely move you can barely talk it's that adrenaline is pumping mm -hmm. um you know it's it's a feeling that i guess unless you're in active combat or whatever i don't think there's really any other similarity um and you have to, you have to be able to operate in that. Yeah, and, and you you've got a really good coach there too. She's she's uh she's done some wonderful things at that gym. So uh, thank uh, you. I'll pass the message along. Uh, um, I think I think I've told her that before too. But uh, <laughs> um, oh, great spot you got there. Thank you. Um, so the next kind of series of of uh, things that I'd like to talk about is more so in the piece that you're saying that uh, you know what really brought you into boxing was your middle son and yep. how you're you're coaching with him. 
now there's been a lot of uh, amazing boxers whose who, whose fathers have coached them. You know the the Mayweather uh, Junior and Senior and Roger Mayweather, I guess his uncle. Um, and what I was wondering is how how does coaching your own son differ from somebody else coaching them? Is it is it more of a personal thing for you or when you were coaching your son, was it, yeah, was it easy to separate from being the father and being the coach? Uh, it, it's, well, I, I've coached my boys in, in Sean and boxing, but I've coached all of my boys in, in baseball, hockey, boxing, like all sports. And, and uh, um, it's, it is difficult sometimes to separate the dad from, from the coach. Um, in boxing, a little bit less so because I, the mental side of boxing is just so different from, from most other sports that you really have to kind of be in tune. And, and with, with coaching my son uh, those years ago, it was more about understanding him as a person um, to get through to him as a boxer. I think uh, I, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk and, and a lot of, you know, experts and, 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 and people that know what they're talking about that, that really discourage father-son combinations or father-daughter combinations and or mother, whoever happens to be, parent-child parent, parent uh, situations for coaching and boxing. I don't think there's a real, I don't think it's black and white like that. I really don't. I, I think, I think like you said, there's, there's you know, there's Mayweather, there's, there was uh, Shane Mosley. There's just tons of examples of very, very successful fighters. And then when that fighter falls on his face a little bit and loses a fight that maybe people think they shouldn't have, everyone says it's because their dad's coaching them. Well, their dad got them there. You know what? So I'm thinking about Lopez and I'm thinking about uh, perfect example, that. perfect example. And, and like any other fighter trainer situation, sometimes there's, there's times when you got to go work with other trainers, you got to get, you, you know, you need to, it's not necessarily so much different eyes on you, but different forms of communication and different ways of telling you often it's the same thing as what your dad or your other coach was telling you just worded slightly different. I I've every fighter I've ever had, I've always, you know, they, they come to me sometimes and say like, you know, this, this, this other coach over here started telling me stuff. And I say, good, listen to them, listen to everybody, try what they're telling you to try. And if it works for you, great it may be the same thing I was trying to tell you. Maybe I just didn't word it in a way you got it. So it, it it's, uh, it, it's one of those situations. That Lopez fight was, is a perfect example. Yeah. I, I think his dad was delusional and thinking he was winning the fight, but uh, you know, that, and that for different types of parents, I think that that's a different issue. I was always more the other, the opposite direction with uh, both my, my son, but, and all my fighters, I've always, I've always tried to be more critical of them throughout the fight so that I'm trying to prepare them for, for, you know, even if they're winning, but it's a fairly close fight, I try to motivate them to, you know, it's almost like they have to come from behind and be the underdog and, 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 and battle through, even though they're already winning. Sometimes, you know, in a close fight, you just, you, the judges are judges, right? They're humans. They see what they see and they, and they appreciate what part of the sport they appreciate and every judge is different. So it's, it's difficult when, it, when you're in a tough 
close fight like that and it's and it's your kid you know you're you're nervous for them physically you're nervous for their for their health you're nervous for the mental side of things you know how how is he or she going to react if they lose um if i blow can i use bad language here yeah of course yeah, <laughs> okay. you can. so if i blow sunshine up a, up, up a kid's ass the whole fight and and, and you know tell them you're doing you're doing great you're doing great you're doing great and they, and they lose the fight at the end they're going to look at you and say but you told me i was winning well maybe i didn't tell you you were winning maybe i told you you were doing great but you know, every fight is, is a, is, is, is a chance to improve yourself. You're trying to be your best self. You're not, it's not about what happens, whose, whose hand gets raised at the end of the night. The most important part is, did you improve? Did you, did you learn? Are you going to be better because of the fight? Um, have you, are you better from your last fight? So it's very subjective and it, it's, uh, I think there's just all different kinds of coaches and all different kinds of athletes. And sometimes the, the, the parent child, situation works great sometimes it doesn't all right no i i totally uh appreciate you reflecting on that because i know it's probably not the best or the easiest topic to talk about because it is fairly close everybody's family um and and yeah it's really probably interesting being a dad being able to see your your son or or whoever if it's not if it's somebody else in another case seeing your kid um, go through those dark places, as you said, and seeing, you know, and trying to guide them and, and having that maybe that connection that you wouldn't otherwise have, unless they've gone to those places, right? You know, yeah. and, and the other side of it, too, if you if you look at the child side of it, they get very used to tuning out a lot of what their parents say. I mean, that that's pretty, annoying, especially when they get to be teenagers. So it, it it, it can it can work negatively in that way if 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 you if you don't have that good connection and 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 you know you're not hearing what each other are saying or you're not seeing the signs that you should be seeing. Um, I think it worked out pretty well for for Sean and I, but uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean it works for everybody. And and I think it's just like any other coach. So you, you might you might go and try one of the best coaches in the world, and they just not have the effect that you need. Sometimes it's it's you know, you, you have to you have to have that mental connection that that you do your coach understands what you're not just what you're doing right or wrong, but what you're feeling when you're trying to do it. No, that's that's totally right. And I never even thought of it in that way. Um, I want to move now on to um, another topic. Um, so as we discussed earlier on, um, you are originally from Cape Breton. And not too long ago, we actually had somebody from Cape Breton uh, fight for a world title. Uh, Ryan Rizicki fought for the Bridgerweight title. He, he came yep. up short, but a lot of people have seen um, how, how much heart and how much uh, he put into that fight. Uh, a lot of people thought, you know, it was, uh, it was a really big and uh, enjoyable fight. Um, and after that, he has become, uh, I think, ranked by the WBC as number 10 in the cruiserweight division. I just was curious what your thoughts were from being a Cape Bretoner um, yourself. And then also, I believe you've been on some cards where Riziki's fought. Uh, we actually, uh, yeah, we actually promoted uh, Ryan's first couple of fights. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Brandon Brewer, Jack promotions and, yeah. and me and a few other, few other guys that made up that team. Yeah. We promoted his first few fights and I've known Ryan. I wouldn't say knowing him really well since he was like 15 or 16, but I've known him since then and, and, and I've gotten to know him a lot better over the years. And, and, 
it was I, I was super proud of him that not not just for the amazing effort he put in in that fight but the development that he's um, shown over the last few years how much better he keeps getting how hard he works um, you know it's 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 inspirational and and you just want to see guys, you know, Ryan, Ryan had some struggles as a teenager and even as, as a young adult. And you just want to see those guys do well. You, you really do. Cause you know, you look at a guy and you say, you know, that kid's got a really good heart. He may, you know, everybody kind of steps on their dink every now and then. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure I've no exception to that rule when I was younger either. So you just want to see those kids do well when they, when they, you know, and some people write people off, other people off when they, you know, they see them as a teenager and, and maybe they're, you know, they're not, they're not doing great in school or they're, or they're getting in a lot of fights or they're getting in trouble or whatever. And, and it's just so unfair to write them off. It's, it's as a coach. Um, and I, I was never Ryan's coach. I've worked with him some at the gym and, and uh, spent some time with him and did a, quite a few rounds of mitts with him different times, but, uh, but just getting to know the person um, beyond the, the headlines and 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 what other what other people see that the you know and the in the boxing side of him and the image that that people see when he steps in the ring, I was super proud of him because as a as a human, Ryan's heart's in the right place and he really works for everything he gets and he works damn hard for it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've followed him on on social media. I haven't talked to him besides introducing myself the time that we were all all together at that card and Valentine's Day. But one really interesting thing that I've observed from Ryan is how honest he is a lot of times when he's talking about his fights. You know, nowadays it's it's really common for you know a fighter to trash talk or talk up a fight, but it's really interesting how honest Ryan has been in, in all of his fights. And yep. the possibility that, you know, he may lose and, you know, that, you know, he, he, he shares things that most fighters don't uh, share. And I think it, it creates an authenticity and it, it makes me as a fan want to watch his fights just because I respect him enough that he's being so honest with us and, and not just, uh, you know, telling us a bunch of market marketing uh, type things, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a lot to do with, he really, he knows himself and he knows the fight game and he knows i mean you know ryan ryan was one of those kids in the amateurs that he hit too hard and he was too strong that nobody nobody's coach that were kids around his weight wanted to put them in with him so we'd always have to fight bigger heavier older guys and he lost quite a few fights that way and it takes a special type of person a special type of athlete to really use that as 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 the cornerstone for their learning. And, and um, I, I think those lessons, and I think Ryan as a person anyway, would generally be just super honest about anything. So you, you see, you know, you see the posts he may puts on and, and talking to him personally and things like that. He, he understands that nobody's invincible. He knows what his strengths are. He knows what his, his, his things he needs to improve are. He works on both every day. Um, and, you know, I, I think being able to be honest like that shows a, a, a true confidence and in, in, in a self-awareness that, that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, and, and just to say, um, you brought up that um, he, was, he was on some of the LJAC promotion cards. So what I really wanted to talk about next is uh, Brandon Brewer, 
mm-hmm. the lumberjack. Um, maybe can you just talk about, um, you know, your first experience and, and time first meeting him? Because, you know, Brandon Brewer is a really big name, especially in this area. You know, he's been on a lot of different promotions. He's been on the zone. Can you just talk about maybe the first first encounter you guys had together? So I first met uh, Brandon, he came into the Frederick Boxing Club and I was um, at that time, st- I still had both the Frederick and the Oromocto gyms, but I was posted to Moncton in the military. So I was only getting there. Uh, I'd get the Oromocto on Friday nights on the way home. I'd go straight to the gym instead of home. And then on Sunday, um, the Frederick Club Sunday night, I would go there. Um, when I was leaving to go back to Moncton, I would go to the gym for well, two two-hour classes, so the four hours there, and then I would drive to Moncton after that on Sunday nights. So, plus I was still traveling a lot of weekends for for fights and and, and things like that. So, I didn't know him as well as I knew a lot of my fighters back then because he had just kind of started right around that same time. Uh, and a kind of a funny story, maybe I shouldn't shouldn't tell it, but. Um, when Brandon first came in, he came in with like three or four friends and I could smell weed on them. So I was of the mind then that when, when people come in, I always found it disrespectful because there were young kids um, at the gym and, and they never did it. None of them ever come in smelling like that again. I think they didn't realize there was going to be kids there at the time, but I could smell it. And I, and I, and I, kind of talked to, to Brandon and a few others and I said, you know, don't ever come into my gym smelling like that again. So I'd seen so many people over the years come in as groups, especially boys come in as groups and, and it'd be more about, you know, they sit around over a few beers and, and convince themselves that they're six feet tall and bulletproof and they're going to go prove it at the boxing gym. And, and, you know, a lot of them go away. Um, Brandon's friends all went away. He did, and he stayed, and he trained. And, and, and the more I watched him, the more talent and, and just athleticism was ridiculous. So as time went on, I wasn't there enough. Uh, James Dow was, was more of his original coach than I was. Um, and James spent a lot of time working with him, and, and uh, um, you know, he would work with anybody he could. But I just – I saw how hard he worked in the gym, and I saw um, – how talented he was and I was pretty pretty impressed by it and 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 he was very respectful to the coaches the sport everybody else in the gym he was well liked so as time went on I I, I started to appreciate what he, what he was bringing but like I said I was I was kind of not around very much I, at, after a while in Moncton I had to kind of make a decision and say listen I got to give these I, I, my youngest boy was school age, so I couldn't take him to the gym anymore at night because it was too late getting home. And I was just missing too much of the family time. So I knew I was going to have to give up the gyms. So I tried not to get too involved in too many new fighters careers at that point, because I, I just knew they were going to have to be handed off to somebody else. And, and I didn't want them feeling abandoned or whatever. So um, after Brandon had seven or six or seven fights and he he got upgraded and went to nationals it was more for an experience thing I mean I think he only had six fights at the time that he went to Canadian championships and as a senior that's a difficult thing so uh, he went and did that and he came back 
and he came to me one day. I don't think it was at the gym. Maybe it was at anyway. And he said, um, will you coach me? And I said, yeah, we can, we can, we can work there. I got, you know, I'm, when I'm home, I can, I can certainly spend time with you. And, and it wasn't very long after that, that I actually um, retired from the military and moved back to, to Oromocto. So uh, I had the time at that point. So he started bugging right away. I think he had eight, seven or eight fights. He started bugging that he wanted to turn pro. And I was like, no way, man. No, 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 no. Like tw- at least 20 more fights, at least 20 more fights. Um, he was doing the math on it, considering his age and, 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 and things like that. And he, he decided that, you know, I listened to you almost on everything, Aubrey, but, um, he didn't, he didn't say that. He just came to me and he said, remember you told me not to turn pro yet. And I said, yeah, he said, kind of just signed my first contract. So, and he said, I need, and I'll never forget. He asked me a bunch of times, but he just said to me what do I need to do having started so late in this game to catch up to everybody else that's got all this experience and, and do something with this. And I, you know, I, I said in, in very short terms, you just got to outwork every freaking one of them. You got to outwork everybody. And he worked his ass off. He was working, uh, construction at the time. And, uh, there was a lot of overtime and things like that. And he, and he just, he was getting frustrated because by the time he got home, some seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, it was just too late to get to the gym and, and too tired from being out in the, the sun all, all day roasting. So he, he took a layoff from his job. He moved into like some of the places he lived just to be able to train full time. So he wouldn't have to work to support himself. He, he, he was in a, essentially a condemned house for a year that wow. friends of his, that the friends of his construction company that, uh, they were they were going to be renovating and, and rebuilding the house, but they had other jobs and other commitments, so the house was just kind of sitting there. So they said, "Well, if you want to, you, know, you want to live there, you can." So he st- he started living there, and it was it was kind of I mean it wasn't a whole ha- half of the house was completely just bare studs and, and and things like that, but there was two rooms that 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 were f- sort of finished. So. Anyway, within a couple of weeks, he had to buy a pellet gun. He'd sit, he had to sit in the living room and try to shoot weasels as they went through the kitchen. So, uh-huh. <clears throat> and mice and rats and, and, and yeah, so it, 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 it's just showed so much sacrifice that, you know, he drove a, a, a piece of crap car that he'd end up bringing it to my place once a month or so for me to help fix something else on it. But the, the commitment was ridiculous. I, then he moved into an apartment. Um, that had what used to be a martial arts gym in it attached to it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that was perfect. He got a couple of heavy bags and, and uh, I had more time in the morning. So I would show up at his place at six in the morning. We do mitts for an hour and a half and then I'd go to work and, and uh, he'd go train somewhere else for the day. Like he, he started from that point, he was training three times a day and, and much to my not I wouldn't say disappointment but much against my advice did not take a day off not even a Christmas day off wow. for six straight years 365 days a year and there was not one of those days that he didn't train at least once and even the days that he fought if he fought on a Saturday night Sunday morning he was out running 
Sunday night, he was at the gym training. Like he did not take a day off. And when people commit like that, like, you, you have to admire them and you have to try to, to, to do what you can to help them. I mean, he, he, uh, he wanted it bad. And, you know, he, he kind of burned out a little bit for a while. Um, like, I don't know how he went that long without burning out long before that, but it, it got, it got tiring. It got, it got difficult. So he had a couple of fights where he didn't perform particularly well. And when you do that, your, you know, your confidence takes a bit of a hit. So um, he struggled with that for a little while. And this last year and a half has been, it feels just like when he started. He is working his ass off all the time. He's confident. He feels good. He's back to himself fighting like he's supposed to fight. What happens, because I live in Moncton, he lives in Fredericton, we don't get to spend a lot of time together. You know, we talk on a phone quite frequently mm-hmm. and we train together when we can. But Brandon wants to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn so much that he's the type of guy that'll kind of go down a rabbit hole for a little while. Of course. Like, okay, I want to learn this aspect of the game. And he'll he'll focus so hard on that aspect of the game that that you get a little rusty in the parts that you're already good at. And what I've always tried to tell fighters is you don't win fights by doing what you're bad at. You win fights by bringing your best tools and making it that kind of fight. And yeah, you work on the things that you, that, that are a little weaker in your game, but you do that 20, 30% of the time. The rest of the time you make what you do well, better than everybody else's. And, uh, He's back to doing that again. He's back to just being slick and moving and, and, and not getting touched. And, you know, he spent a, a few fights where he'd sit on the inside and bang with guys because mm-hmm. he just kind of thought that was fun and he wanted to try it. And he mm-hmm. wanted to kind of be that inside guy for a little while. And, you know, inside, inside fighters are usually inside fighters because either they're short and they have short arms and that's where they have to be to land or that's just the way they've been doing it their whole career. And it's what they're better at. So they keep working that. So anyway, he, he's, uh, uh, I mean, we're looking forward to this fight in February um, against Jesse Wilcox. Jesse's a very good fighter. Uh, I think Brandon's probably going to stop him. Um, I just, I, I see so much of that old Brandon in him now that, that it, it's, it's, it's so refreshing that, you know, he's, he's as fast as he ever was. He's got more power than he's ever had. He's moving well, so I, I think uh, I, I think you know he he's he's not he's not young anymore, but I think he's got quite a few good fights left in him, and and uh, and hopefully he'll be able to accomplish a few more things and and be proud for the rest of his life. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that fight. Um, I had the opportunity of uh, of helping Adam cut weight with Jesse Wilcox. I was able to meet and and talk with him. Really nice guy, as is uh, Brandon Brewer. And, uh, you know, we're really blessed as, as Canadians, like a lot of the times, uh, our fighters are just really nice people and, and likable people. I mean, if, uh, if they, if they weren't going on the, the fight night on Saturday, you really wouldn't know that they were fighters because, that's uh, and, and, you know, I think that's more common than a lot of people. And, and I, I think I know where you're going with that and that you see so much of this bravado and, 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 and so much of this crap shit talk that guys are doing to sell fights and, um, but I think even those guys that, that seem really obnoxious on TV, most of them are real nice guys too. Like I, I know quite a few people who know Tyson Fury and, mm-hmm. and Tyson Fury, you love him or you hate him. I think he's hilarious. I think he's I funny, too. but, 
but the people I know that know him say that is one of the nicest people in the world you'd ever want to meet. And uh, I believe him because most of the people I've met in this sport are just great human beings. Uh, um, somebody once told me, I can't remember who it was, that there's so many nice people in boxing because it's the most honest sport in the world. Because once you get in that ring, you can't bullshit about how good or bad you are. You're going to prove it or you're not. And, you know, you're going to have to hang your head when you lose and you're going to, you're going to have to control your, your ego when you win. And, you know, people learn so many lessons about themselves through the sport that, that I think it humbles people a lot. And another interesting thing that I was going to say is, um, so I followed all the three lines promotions cards for the most part, mm -hmm. uh, very seldom do they have two of their own fighters going against each other. Cause a lot of promotions they'll you know, they'll build one fighter and then build another fighter and they'll kind of have people come in and, and fight. Um, this is really interesting that three lions is having, um, cause I, I never had anticipated. Did you anticipate that this was eventually going to happen? COVID kind of made that happen. Mm -hmm. the, the truth of it, because like all promoters, Three Lions were trying to figure out a way to be able to put on a card. And it was, there was so many changes back and forth about being able to bring people to Canada that aren't Canadian that most promoters in Canada had to look for matches within Canada. There just isn't that many. There's not that many pro fighters. So, you know, the fact that, that Brandon and Jesse are, are close in experience and close in weight, um, it just kind of became a natural thing. And, and you know, uh, Dan from Three Lions didn't try to force it down anybody's throat. Didn't didn't he just asked them the two of them, you know, would you take this fight? And both guys knowing that, you know, there's just not a lot of opportunity right now with COVID that they need to get in the ring and they need to fight. Um, and Dan's bringing you know the WBC on board, so whoever whoever wins that belt uh, gets gets ranked and 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 should look at Ryan. You know, he got a world title fight, having been ranked not a whole, not a, you know, a year and a half, I think with the WBC and, and only having a few fights after he got ranked and, and next thing you know, he's fighting for a world title. So, you know, that's, that's what three Lions is bringing to the table on this is, 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 is that WBC belt that's, that's been sanctioned and uh, you know, whoever wins gets the ranking, whoever loses, if they put on a hell of a performance, they haven't really stepped back that much. You know, this has all the markings of a war. It really does. Both, you know, both guys are are, are courageous as hell. Um, neither one wants to lose ever. Um, they're both tough as nails. Uh, they're both skilled. They both hit hard. So yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tremendous fight. I, you know, if if it if it ends if it ends early, it'll be disappointing for most fans. But uh, um, it's going to be a good one, I think. Awesome. Um, so I just wanted to transition now to um, you were saying now you are in Moncton. Mm -hmm. uh, what what kind of things have you been involved with recently? This is a maybe an opportunity to shed on some stuff that uh, have you have you been able to to still get at the gym and to work with some fighters and. Uh, yeah, I've been well, except for the last few months, I got a couple of torn tendons in my shoulder, so I had oh. to, I pulled away from the gym for because I'm not very smart when I get to the gym. I have, it's, it's a military thing. So if I'm giving a floor routine, a strengthening routine, I don't, well, I will not do a push-up. I will not give somebody a push-up unless I'm doing it with them. Mm -hmm. So my 
inability to not, you know, and I want to do mitts all the time. And even when my shoulder was hurt and I say, okay, I'm not going to do any mitts and I'm not going to do the floor routine. I get out and start demonstrating the punches and start demonstrating defense and things like that. And I rip my shoulder up again. And wow. so I had to pull back a little bit the last little while, but it's starting to feel good. So I'm going to get back in there as soon as these new restrictions uh, lift again. But uh, so when so, is when is fight camp is fight camp for you too. You're getting, you're getting oh, yeah. the extra, the extra push-ups and everything. When I was running the two gyms in Fredericton and Oromocto, I was giving all of the warm-ups. I was doing mitts for easily probably two hours a night. And then I was giving the strengthening routines for two classes a night, six nights a week. I was in pretty good shape. I was doing probably 600 push-ups a day and, and 1,500 sit-ups or so of different types. And so it was, yeah, I was pretty, I was in pretty good shape. And I, and it, when I give it even still now at, at, at 55, I'm not happy unless I can like make at least half the class want to quit. And uh, year, year, years ago, I wouldn't, wouldn't be satisfied until I made the most fit person in there want to quit. But I, I've had to humble myself a little bit and some, some of the better conditioned fighters can, can uh, hang with me now and, and, and beat me. But uh, so I, I, that pride thing kind of kicks in and, you know, I'll, I'll do a plank until they have to turn the lights out and go home. If somebody else is still, still hanging on and, and not quitting yet. So. <laughs> um, uh, have you had the opportunity to work with Sean Finnegan? Uh, yes, a, a bit. Sean's a, um, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in, in Oromocto coaching except for when I'm there with Brandon, but I, I'm, I'm always talking with Sean when, you know, I, I give him as much advice as I can. Brandon works with Sean a lot too. Like they, they have a you know, funny they, back and forth. It seems. Yeah, oh yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're hilarious. I, Sean came in to the gym. I think he was, I think he was 11. Um, my youngest was four at the time four or five. And he, you know, he, he used to get down on his knees and spar with my little guy all the time. <laughs> And there was another kid, uh, Muhammad Hariri, that uh, joined around the same time as him. That was the same age as him. It was, it was just a little firecracker, a tremendous athlete, too. So but those two guys, man, I, I got to commend Sean a lot because the most difficult thing for kids to do is to go from them adolescent years and make it all the way through the teenage years staying focused on something. Because if you're going to lose a you know, if, if somebody joins a gym when they're 15, you can keep them usually. If they join the gym when they're 11 or 12, you're going to lose them for some period of time in there. They're just, you know, it's it's that evolution where you think, okay, I'm not a kid anymore. So I got to ditch all this crap that I was doing as a kid. And they move on to, you know, girls and cars and parties and and whatever. I'm not saying, you know, Sean didn't get interested in that stuff too, but he stayed with the sport. He never quit. He trained and you know, he's in his twenties now and the, and the kids winning, you know, I think he won a male athlete of the year at the universities in. he got a scholarship, the boxing scholarship at, at, at Crandall university. Uh, they got a great team too. And the things he's done, he's Canadian forces athlete of the year last year. Wow. Um, just, I was speaking with him. I, I don't think he, he, I don't know if he has any intentions of going reg force, but I know he was in the reserves, correct? Yeah. He's still in the reserves. I, I'm not sure. I know he always did intend to go reg force at some point, but I, 
I mean, he went, I, I don't know that he did track in high school, but he went to Crandall University and decided, okay, I'll give this track thing a, a try. And he won the first gold medal that Crandall's I, ever I won in track. I saw that. I saw that. Like, I think it's you know, awesome. Um, I think a lot of combat sports athletes in Canada, whether you're like a boxer or a wrestler, they're, they're kind of upset because most of the times there's not a lot of opportunities uh, varsity-wise yeah. uh, for like getting a scholarship. And when I saw that he got this um, scholarship for Crandall University and how they started a whole boxing team, I was like, wow, this is like something I don't think I've ever, I've ever really seen. And it's awesome that they're, they're doing that. Uh, because it gives him an opportunity not only continue his boxing, but also to to develop as a person, to go to school, and and find out that he's he's a really good track athlete as well. Like that's pays dividends in the ring too. For sure, for sure. I'd love to see other universities, you know, pick up on this and 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 run with it because what uh, John Olhauser at the uh, head coach there at Crandall's. He's just putting together an excellent program. You see, you know, he's got fighters from Bermuda and, and, and other countries, national champions from other countries. And, and he's got a few novice too, uh, you know, young guys that show a ton of potential, but just don't have the experience yet. So he, he's, you know, he's trying to, he's building it the right way. He's got, you know, all weights and all levels in there. And, and uh, you know, kudos to the university for, for giving him that, uh, the ability to do that. Um, it's just an amazing thing. I, I hope, you know, at least four or five more universities in Canada do it. I know there's there's still a few universities in the U.S. that do it, and then plus the uh, the military colleges in the U.S. do it as well. So. He's got really fast hands too, cool. and I'm just thinking to myself, uh, maybe Ryan Garcia might be in the future for him because they're both good-looking guys and fast hands. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, what weight class? Do you know what weight class uh, he fights in, uh, Sean? Ooh. Sean? Because he's only, he's still pretty. Well, the amateur weight classes are different than the pro, but he's, he fights right around one forty one, I think. Okay, right? perfect. But but I mean, at, at that age, and you know, he's over six feet tall. He uh, he's he's going to fill out and 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 move up for sure. Okay, but Ryan Garcia, that's kind of an interesting prospect. I mean, I, I think Sean's planning his his long term or immediate mid term goals right now are to try to make an Olympic team. Wow, I think that's very possible. Yeah, so I think that if that's the goal, that's what he's got to focus on and and uh, um, and see where it takes him from there. I mean, there's a huge advantage for guys that come out of the pros as an Olympian. You have, you know, promoters lining up to to talk to you and, and make offers to you where, you know, guys that nobody's heard of starting as a pro, it's kind of, it's an uphill uphill battle. So, uh, you know, I, I, I know he does want to turn pro eventually, he used to tease Brandon and I all the time when we were, when we were promoting shows. He used to say, oh, I want to, you know, why don't you put me on there? And we we're like, Sean, stick to your goals right now. Like, you're a good fighter. But, but uh, and I think he was just doing it to get us going anyway. I think he always, he always intended to, to, to follow the amateur route for at least a few more years. Yeah, I had a really good opportunity of being able to connect with him um, when he went with a few fighters to Hawaii to fight. I, I uh, was just messaging him or whatever, and and mm -hmm. I do intend on having him as a guest in the future because um, he's a really bright prospect for this area and the Maritimes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, he's yes. a well-spoken kid too, so he would he would make a good interview. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, well, I was just going to say that uh, I think we're just about good for time. 
uh, I really wanted to appreciate, uh, sorry, say thank you for, for coming on. I know it's only uh, 11 days till Christmas, so I wanted to say happy holidays. Yeah, yeah, and a happy new year um, because it's, it's coming soon. And, and I've had a, you know, a little difficult time getting guests on here because of the time and everything like that. You know, this uh, weekend, there, I, I don't know because there's been a change of conditions in Nova Scotia this coming Friday, but there's the Thrilla and the Hilla yeah, at the Scotia it's, it's Bank. Still on at 50% capacity from what I just, just read it. Oh, I, I just come in from work like 10 minutes before we started the interview, but I had a chance to look and, and saw Joey Laviolette and a few others post okay. it. Yeah, it's, it's still a go. Because I've had the opportunity to see three of the, uh, sorry, it'd be actually four. I've seen uh, four of the pros work. Uh, Joey came into the gym and uh, everybody's looking amazing. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing the results. We got uh, Brett Be Beaton. He's doing his uh, pro Good debut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle McNeil. He's uh, yeah. moving on up to welterweight. So he fought, he fought he's Tyson. A, he's a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. He fought Tyson cave. I don't know what, at what weight, but he's I definitely they, 135 yeah, I think, maybe. No, I don't think it was. I think. I think uh, Kyle had to cut quite a bit. I think it was like 120 yeah. or catch weight or something. I mean, Tyson had to come up too, but yep. but Tyson has so much experience and he's just such a such a talented talented fighter, even even at his age. That uh, you know, Kyle was uh, you know in a little bit as far as experience goes. Over like Tyson had over, well over 100 amateur fights and and such long pro experience. That uh, but Kyle's a warrior, man. He just he just he he doesn't quit and he's one of the fittest guys you'll ever see in your life and um and, and he's great to work with when you know we i've worked with him uh match made some of his fights and and we had him on uh at least uh yeah the l jack show we did in sydney i know we had him on that and, and i did the matchmaking for another one in new glasgow that he that he fought on just such a pleasure to work with and deal with just super easy he'll fight anybody he doesn't need to make a ton of money he just he just loves to get in there so it's uh just yeah, got his promoter's special. license too he told me yeah i saw that i saw so, that on Facebook. Yeah. 2022 he might be putting on some uh real well, deal kyle's promotion. a hustler man he'll 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 do the work he'll, yeah. he'll put in everything it takes to put on a successful show so i'm looking forward to that another another guy uh that i'm really looking forward to aaron crawley uh light heavyweight he's going to be fighting on that card also yep. from tribal um, yep. So yeah, there's quite the quite the showing for Tribal, uh, and I'm really excited that you know there is a card that because I think I think with everything that's been going on with COVID, the one thing that I think has been plaguing fighters is the uncertainty of whether an event will actually go through or not. And yeah, I'm not sure how much has that's happened in the the New Brunswick area, but there hasn't really been anybody planned any shows in New Brunswick and and for quite a while, like. Um, you know, just a few years ago, there was, there was, you know, four promoters in New Brunswick and, and we decided to, to pull back on it because the, the promoting and fighting thing for, for Brandon was just very mentally exhausting. And that kind of led to the burnout he ended up with, with a, a bit. So um, we decided it was best just to, you know, even though we were very successful as far as we put big, big crowds, every, every show we, we even did. But, you were even having MMA fights, right? on the brand i yeah i didn't get yeah. too involved in the MMA okay. fights like you know a couple of them i think i went and helped out a little bit on the day of the fight but i didn't get too involved it's just i, I don't know enough about it and don't know yeah. enough of people in it to 
to be much used to them. So, but yeah, it was, it was pretty good, but, and you know, there was, there was Mike Dweron, Dwayne Story, uh, Ian McKillop was, uh, was uh, coming in from Montreal and doing some shows and, and uh, Dominic Babineau did a show. So, uh, you know, and now all of a sudden, really, there isn't anybody promoting in New Brunswick right now. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping somebody. If anybody's listening, yeah, <laughs> they want to get into promoting. Yeah, uh, yeah. it would be uh, it'd be nice to see it pick up, pick back up again. Because it was, you know, a few years ago, there was five or six shows a year in New Brunswick. And, you know, almost the same in Nova Scotia at the time. So mm-hmm. the Maritimes were were booming. So I'm hoping once this covid stuff is is done and people are confident that they can can get through the whole promotion because i know in nova scotia there was three or four shows that that they thought they had that window three lines was doing doing one and you know and i think there was two there was two this one too this one too uh got canceled and then uh fight league atlantic had to eventually switch to to new brunswick uh to have uh, their second mma card oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. derek I, i've talked with derek quite a bit because he's been one of the guys helping me with starting this and uh he's told me that i'm not sure how things stand now but it's been really hard to deal with nova scotia and and how they were the commission was uh you know basically got the green light but then they had to uh because of other circumstances they've had to to cancel cards so i'm hoping that this is something that doesn't happen in the future because you know, fighters, unfortunately, at, at the local cards, I don't think they get as paid as much as maybe they should, especially if they get a huge, you know, uh, if they get an injury or anything that comes yeah. with, with fighting. Yeah, so it, it, it's it, club shows pretty well anywhere are, are, are not for, you know, people don't, people underestimate how much it costs to put on a show and and, um, and how much risk promoters are taking with, with their own money that, uh, you know, they, they, probably sit back and say oh wow there's three thousand people in here them guys must be making fifty thousand dollars a piece and it's not even close (laughs) you know divide that by 10 for the for the for the eight and ten rounders (laughs) yeah and the guys debuts were making you know very little 800 to 1500 dollars for for most of them so it's it's uh yeah it's it's tough it's not something you're going to make a living at um unless you you know, are, are talented, dedicated, you put the work in and you get a little bit lucky. Awesome. Well, um, I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you everybody for listening to the first episode of good people, bad intentions. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Pine. Thank you. I'm your host, Matthew Pine and joined with me was Aubrey Mc, uh, McLeod. I keep, sometimes when I look at how, how your name is, uh, spelled, I say the Mac, say the McLeod, so I apologize for that. Uh, yeah, it is Mac. Oh, is it MacLeod? Yeah. Okay. I apologize for that. I, I have a, for some reason, I, I can't pronounce it properly. Unless you're a telemarketer, then I'm MacLeod. MacLeod. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Or McLeod. Ah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it.